0: This just handed to me. The following podcast is a Sam
1: Productions production.
0: Another episode of Autism Warriors, episode 21, Coping Mechanisms. You can catch us at our website at autismwarriors.com. Our email is feedback at sayitproductions.com. Our Twitter is sayitprods. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash autismwarriors and facebook.com backslash sayitproductions. You can call us on our voicemail at 813-915-6390. We can also be found on iTunes. Don't forget to go to iTunes to rate and review our show. We're live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, say at productions.com backslash live. We respect and uphold the rights of people to make choices concerning their family member with autism, whether it be vaccinations, therapies, or medications. My I, my name is Erica Plourd. I'm the mother to two children on the spectrum, Cassidy 9 and Garrett 7. Hi, Pam. How
1: are you? I was just going to give you kudos. I was going to say, Erica, you know, after 21 episodes, I want to tell you that your intros are fabulous, and you never flub them up. <laughs> so, oh, well. For the I, previous- I, I forgot my own name. Oh, you forgot? <laughs> I'd like to forget my name. My name is Pam Mari. My son Joey is 13. He's on the spectrum, and he's in there making noise, as usual. <laughs> well, we want to remind you... All the listeners out there, that we are members of the
0: World Autism Community, and you can join too. Go to worldautismcommunity.com to join. There is something for everyone on this social network for parents of children on the spectrum, as well as for the people on the spectrum um the comment we we did have a comment this week from last week's show um john LaSure from the autism world autism community he said hi you autism warriors i'm looking forward to listening to your next radio show and we also the, uh, had a, we also I'm had a sorry. comment we also had a comment from zoe roberts she oh, cool. she was excited
1: about being on the show and she hopes that she can be on the show again soon well i'm sure she can and I was going to say the follow-up to John Lasser's comment is, "When are you coming on?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly, come on, John.
0: You we don't know, have you're, to we eat. know you're listening. You don't have to eat. <laughs> yeah, you eat while stuff. you're on the show.
1: That's fine. No, we don't really. mind if you talk with your mouth full. <laughs> <laughs> we do not at all mind if we hear the fork clanking on the plate or anything. No, we don't care. You know, or t- crunching into a taco. We're not. We're not choosy. So. No, We we are ladies in waiting, shall we say, (laughs) for John to get his his, uh, derriere, there's a French word for you, on the show. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But we'd like to thank
0: all the folks who gave us new likes on Facebook this week. Um, Please feel free to comment on our page and let us know what you want to hear on the show. And... um, since we haven't had any commentary from anybody saying what they want to hear on the show, we're going. It's going to kind of be a potpourri this week, and I found an article um, called "The History of Autism." It's by Ella Rain. And the history of autism is as mysterious as the diagnosis itself. There is no formal evidence that the condition existed before the 20th century. However, some historical figures, including Thomas Jefferson and Isaac Newton, are believed to have had autistic traits. Then it goes on to say the etymology. Dr. Eugene Bluler used the term autistic around 1912 in reference to schizophrenic in- in individuals who exhibited catatonic behaviors. The word is derived from the Greek word autos, which means self. The term referenced individuals who are cut off from their environments. Dr. Bluler is best known for renaming dementia praecox, replacing the term with schizophrenia. He created the word from the Greek word schizo and phreen, together meaning split mind. And interestingly, new research indicates a possible link between autistic disorder and schizophrenia. Early history of autism. I'm just going to keep reading. Chime in when you want to, Pam. Uh, Leo Kanner was a doctor from the Johns Hopkins University who used the term autism to refer to a group of children who displayed withdrawn behaviors. Kanner's autism was first documented around 1938 but was not formally introduced to the medical community until the early 1940s. During the same era, a German scientist named Hans Asperger identified similar characteristics in a group of children he studied. He referred Referred to the children as little professors because of their tendency to speak about specific subjects in great depth. Asperger's syndrome is distinct from autism, but it is in the same spectrum of disorders. Freudian influence. Sigmund Freud's influence on psychology during the 1940s and 1950s is evident in the theories behind the cause of autistic disorders. Freudian psychology suggested that children with autism were not given the proper love and attention they required in order to develop healthy interpersonal relationships. The theory remained popular through the early 1960s, and there is some evidence of it today. Early treatments. Autism treatments during the years following the respective Kanner and Asperger discoveries followed the Freudian psychological theories. Children were placed in foster homes to recover, but the approach fell short due to the nature of autistic disorders and misunderstood causes. Autism in the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies, Freudian theory wanted a bit, waned a bit, but the notion of poor parenting remained in the forefront for many researchers and physicians during the decades to follow. None is as prevalent as the refrigerator mother theory, in which the mother fails to bond with their baby. Bruno Bettelheim. Described Refrigerator Mothers in his book, The Empty Fortress, Infantile Autism and the Birth of the Self, published in 1967. In the book, he compares imprisonment in a concentration camp to autistic disorder. The notion is that a cold and indifferent mother leads to the symptoms of autism. The term Refrigerator Mother was not coined by Bettelheim. The designation emerged in 1950 in 1949... Leo Cantor attached autism to a genuine lack of maternal warmth, but his assertion failed to recognize siblings of... Autistic children who showed no symptoms of the condition. In other words, they blew that out of the water. Um, Treatments. During the 1960s and 1970s, interventions typically included removal from the family home. Many children were placed in institutions in order to receive care around the clock. Treatments included medications, d-lysergic acid, thalidomide or LSD, Shock therapy, behavioral approaches, punishment and pain. Autism was a misunderstood condition and the misunderstandings led to unfortunate interventions and treatment therapies. Developments in the decades to follow led to fortunate changes. Autism in the 1980s and 1990s. Autism was introduced to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual in the 1980s. In 1994... In its 1994 publication, the DSMIV outlines autism as one of the five pervasive developmental disorders. Interest in this relatively new diagnosis peaked in the late 1980s, and the fascination may be due to a popular movie that was released in 1988, which we all know is Rain Man. Rain Man sent autism into the spotlight in 1988. This Oscar-winning film portrayed Raymond Babbitt, a character based on a savant named Kim Peake. Kim actually has a disorder affecting the corpus callosum. Raymond Babbitt's character is a combination of Kim Peek's abilities and autistic savants. The portrayal was so powerful that many confuse Rain Man's character with autistic disorders in spite of the fact that only 10% of the autistic population is savant. Treatments in autism today, and I'm sure we all know this but we're almost done. Uh, the development of a deeper understanding of autism and a possible genetic condition that has a biological basis le- led to changes in treatment approaches in the 1990s. The prevailing intervention today is behavioral therapies including applied behavioral analysis. However, many other approaches are used as well. Medication can be prescribed for some individuals, but most of the interventions focus on behavior including social Interaction, relationship development continues to be a primary concern for individuals today autism and related pervasive developmental disorders continue to baffle the scientific community and much of the public continues to have poor understanding of individuals with autistic disorder the history of autism is currently in development i got a kick out of that article you know in what way I don't know. I'll let you start. In what way? I don't know. The term refrigerator mother just kills me because I know I can be cold and callous, but I'm not going to be cold. I wasn't cold
1: and callous towards my children.
0: Yeah,
1: I could be a refrigerator wife, but not.
0: I mean, it's bad enough. Like when my kids were diagnosed, when my son was diagnosed first, I blamed myself. And thank God I didn't live in the 1960s and 1970s because they they would have told me I was a refrigerator mother. And, you know, as a parent, you blame yourself for something that happens to your child. Something, I, I don't know, as a parent of my children, when both of them were diagnosed after Cassidy got diagnosed, I'm like, there's got to be something wrong with me. There's something something wrong with me. There's a reason why they're on the autism spectrum. I'm not doing something right. I didn't cuddle with them enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do floor time enough. I didn't play with them enough. I just sat them in the corner. And, oh, I put them in the, ro- the, the baby swing too many times to calm them down or, or whatever. I don't know. But uh, I, I thought it
1: was uh, interesting that they gave them LSD. <sighs> oh, my God. I don't know. Well, I don't want to say this. But look at the, some of the stuff we give these kids now. What's the difference? True. I mean, <laughs> what's the difference? I was just reading an article this week about the dangers of Ritalin and uh, antidepressants and how research shows that antidepressants really don't make any more of an effect on a person than a placebo and in some cases cause the suicidal tendencies and that one in five people that commit suicide or on some kind of antidepressant so maybe give it to him. you know it's like who knows you know you got to go with your best decision and and just do it you know i try not to go back i mean i've had people say to me well if you if you had known so many years before you actually had joey diagnosed that that he was on the spectrum would you have done anything different no not really no I wouldn't have shoved him into early intervention earlier because he had a DX. I, I worked with him as I felt he was ready to accept it, whatever skill it was. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to know what the cause is. I mean, I don't think it's us. I really don't.
0: No, um, I don't think it's us. And, and actually, some of the news stories that I found tonight might shed a little light on that. A couple of them hit pretty close to home for me, but... I guess we can look at that later, but uh, okay. I don't, I don't know. I I'm a I'm a big advocate for early intervention. You know, see because when Cassidy start, see we started with Cassidy. Cassidy was speech delayed. She wasn't talking by age fifteen months, sixteen months, seventeen months. Finally, I got her uh, through the birth to three program. Got her. Um, uh, e- evaluated, and they said yes. She's slightly. Um, she has a speech disorder. She's slightly there. We're gonna do so once a week. We'll do speech and language therapy. We learn sign language. We put picture cards on the on the refrigerator. But she was still showing me s- something in my heart, in my gut, said there's not something quite right with my child. So she was she was in speech and language therapy from 19 months old till she turned three. And the speech and language therapist recommended that she not go to special ed because she didn't need it because she was at age-appropriate levels for speech and language. Well, three months later, she regressed, was not using her words. Or if she did use words, it would come out like this. My name is D. You know, she'd have the robotic speech and if you asked her a question, she had the echolalia where she you'd go, "Do you want to drink a water?" she'd say, "Do you want to drink a water?" instead of saying yes. So, she had a lot of a lot of stuff going on and and I, I would put the symptoms in or whatever, you know, I was just looking looking for online intensive and. In, intensively looking for answers for her well april of that what was it what the heck did she turn three 2004 so april of 2005 garrett was 18 months old or whatever so we had him evaluated i just i was like since cassidy was speech delayed let's let's look at garrett because garrett wasn't talking He he wasn't, he had just started walking at 17 months old. He had a hard time picking things up with his hands. So let's look at Garrett. So they come over, they evaluate, they bring a speech and language therapist, they bring an occupational therapist, they bring a physical therapist. Yep, he is speech delayed, fine and gross motor delayed. And he's going to need speech. He's going to need occupational and he's going to need physical therapy. We're going to come in 10 hours, a 10 hours a week. I think he started off at 10 hours a week and, you know, I was working. So my sister-in-law was their daycare provider and, uh, so they would go to her house and they'd work with him there for 10 hours, you know, come out 10 hours a week. And then June of 2005, his speech and language therapist calls me up and they're like, we want to do this M chat with for Garrett. And if he scores a certain way. If he fails the M-chat, that that means there's a possibility of him being on the autism spectrum. I'm like, okay. So it kind of like fell in my lap. I didn't go, oh, go out searching. I just was like, my kids are speech delayed. They need to learn how to talk. If I need extra help, you know, we'll do this. Because I really honestly believe in my heart of hearts that if I did not get them that speech and language therapy, that they would be nonverbal today. So – or somebody from the school system would be like, you need to get – you know, something would have happened. They'd be nonverbal. I've seen kids in my neighborhood that are nonverbal um, because they didn't get any, get any services or whatever. Now the school system is stepping in and, and helping them out, but you talk to them and you can't understand a word that they're saying. So – but, uh, you know, we did the M-chat for Garrett, and they said, okay, well, he failed it. That means there's a possibility of autism. We're going to send you here, You go five-hour evaluation. They do play-based, play-based evaluations and they interview the parent. So it was a five-hour process. At the end of it, they told me he was on the autism spectrum and I just nearly, I broke down. I started crying because all I ever knew of autism before that point was Rain Man. That's all I knew. I'm like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> this isn't good. But um, I don't know. I just, I'm a, I'm a big... Big advocate of early intervention. Um, probably because my kids did receive. I think it's mostly because my kids received early intervention. If they had not received that early intervention services, I really honestly believe that they would be nonverbal. My daughter would be still banging, my daughter would be wearing a helmet because she'd still be banging her head on the floor out of frustration. You know, Garrett still bangs his head out of frustration when he yeah, gets really Joey's frustrated. in there
1: banging the AG double toothpicks out of his desk right now because I'm not going in there because he's yelling mom mom and I'm just like ignoring him you know and he's just beating the hell out of the desk expecting me to go up and get in there but no I'm not against early intervention I'm just saying if you don't get it if you can't get it it doesn't mean you're helpless to help your child, just use some common sense and work with them as best you can. Don't sit, you know, sit there and say, well, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, just do it. You know, I mean, get them on the swing and and count to a hundred and, you know, the same things you would do with any kid. Mm -hmm. Boy, is he in there screaming bloody murder. Um, You know, so the fact that you didn't get it or you did, I didn't. And I still don't feel that had I had it, he would have come along any faster. I really, really don't. Um, I feel I did just as good a job with him at that point in time that he would have received in an early intervention class, really. I've seen all the techniques. I did my reading. I did my research, how to, to recast and and how to get his speech going. And it worked for me at home. So, yeah, teach his own. You know, what can you say? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, if it that's what worked for you, which is which is phenomenal. I you wish know, I had something to work was, for me now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Put pillows on his hands. Um, <laughs> but, um, I found a website. Well, I think I always tout this website, it's called autism.healingthresholds.com. It's, um, it's Catchphrases connecting community and science to heal autism. Um, That can be found in the show notes. But I stumbled upon an article about social stories or actually it's you know you have a you have a, uh, a they have a drop down box saying autism therapies and i was like okay i want to pick out social stories for this week so but they say definition of social stories short stories that describe a social situation including social cues and appropriate behavior social stories are used to teach social skills through the use of accurate information about those situations that the child may find difficult or confusing now The reason why I'm looking up social stories is because my son is having great difficulty in social situations. Um, It doesn't matter what kid is over my house. Could be my neighbor's kids. He gets frustrated, starts screaming, yelling, needs to go take a time out, you know, go up to his room, whatever. Do whatever he needs to do to calm down and then come back downstairs. He doesn't like people being too close to him. Obviously, I don't even like like if somebody's in my personal space and I don't want them there or they're not welcomed into my personal space, I'm gonna knock your ass out. Whoops, excuse my language. Um, but uh I, I really think that Garrett would definitely benefit from some type of social stories. And I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. That there was a website that had the social stories that you can yeah, go and look well, up and I-
1: pay for and whatnot. They were books. They were actual, like booklets, that you chose the character. If it looked like Garrett, if it looked like Henry Green, you know, yellow hair, black hair, you could personalize the story with the kid's name, uh, his town, you know, kind of like a personalized social story or social lesson. And then you could store them and reuse them and alter them as you saw fit. But, like you say, that was another episode. But Can I, he, I think he would definitely benefit from. I don't. I don't, again, I don't know. I don't know that much about. I know they use social stories for Joey at school, but here, sometimes I think it's the messenger. Maybe I'm the rotten teacher. The things they use for him are more effective at school than here. I don't know. Because right now, I'd like to give him a social something or other because he's in there raising holy, holy mama. Anyway, yeah,
0: mine were raising holy, you know, before. And, uh, I wanted to crack both their skulls together.
1: <laughs> That's, I'm glad I have a mute
0: button right now. That's why I told them. I said, you have to be upstairs by 745. And Garrett said, I hate your podcasts. Oh, okay. All right.
1: <laughs> well, then let's, let's carry on.
0: <laughs> I hate your podcasts. I want to be downstairs. Well, guess what, bud? Go upstairs. He'll probably be asleep by the time we're done. Um, I don't hear him up there at all. I hear Cassidy a little bit, but I don't hear him. I think she's got her radio going. But uh, the funny thing about social stories is that uh, in therapy the other day with Garrett, we went over what to do in certain situations. We talked about, okay, we talked about people being in your space and you don't want them there. Because we were gearing up for – we had talked about how um, he in, how he reacted to my sister's daughter last week. Because my sister's been up since June 25th. She's been up since Florida. I'm from Florida. And uh, we saw them on Sunday. And, um, you know, he – was got very irritated with her because she's a boisterous five-year-old she just wants to play she's an only child so she I don't know she's got some some social skills issues there um you know just I guess by being a, from what my sister says because she's a you know an only child or whatever but uh, you know she kept getting in Garrett's space and Garrett kept saying get away from me please leave me alone until he got to a point where he pushed her. Then he walked away and he sits down. We're like, what's wrong, Garrett? He's like, I'm being a jerk. I'm a jerk. And I'm like, why are you a jerk? Because I can't, because I, because I pushed McKenna and McKenna's getting on my nerves and I'm just, I'm just frustrated and she just needs to leave me alone. <laughs> and I'm like, well, those are some great words you just use, but what could you have done in the, in, in differently in that situation? We're, and so we're in therapy last Thursday and, you know, we're talking to the therapist about what had happened. And she said, well, Garrett, what could you have done in, in that situation? You know, same thing as I said, what could you have done in that situation differently? And he says, I don't know, I'm stupid. My my stupid brain can't think of anything when I'm in that situation. I said, Garrett, you're first of all, we had to go over the whole, you're not stupid. You know, you need to say something nice about yourself now. Give me three nice things about yourself. <laughs> but uh, what we did was we did a little bit of role play. And she had Garrett stand up and she stood up and she was like, I'm in your space and she's poking him and poking him and poking him and poking him and poking him some more and he's trying first of all he knows it's like she's just kidding or you know she's not really doing it on purpose so he starts giggling and she just kept poking him and poking him. And it, this process went on for like five minutes and, until finally he said, could you please leave me alone? And she goes, no. So she kept poking him and poking him and poking him. He goes, could you please leave me alone? No. Kept poking him and poking him and getting in this space. And he kept moving. And then finally she said, he, she said well, what can you do now? You've asked me twice to stop and I haven't stopped. What can you do? I could tell my mom to make you stop. Mom, JC won't stop poking me. So I go, JC, stop poking Garrett. You know, <laughs> So we kind of like worked that into a social story situation. So the next time he saw my sister's daughter, um, she was bothering him. And instead of reacting to her, he came to me and he said, Mom, McKenna is bothering me and she won't stop. She won't stop sitting so close to me. I mean, she was headbutting him and rolling into him and trying to hug him. And, you know, I'm like headbutting. That's not appropriate, but whatever. So he, he learned from that situation in therapy. And I thought that was a great example of a social story,
1: you know. That's good. I think it. your therapist really has it going on. I wish I had somebody around here like that. Yeah, she really does. But
0: also in, on the healing thresholds, what did I find? What do, what do I have here? I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. Nope, that was all I had for the healing thresholds um, uh, resource. I, I happen to like that one, the healing thresholds, social stories. You know, you can get all these different things there. But... Uh, so now did, you didn't have any resources, but what I was thinking was, um, what to do when your autistic child is out of control in public?
1: Run and hide. <laughs> Put a bag over your head. <laughs> Run and hide. Get a little shirt that says, "This is not my kid." <laughs> no, I'm being facetious. We had a we had a situation like that today after after camp. Um, There seem to be some kids at school that I find it perfectly normal that they want to sing the SpongeBob song. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, it's okay with me. But he can't tolerate it. So he comes (laughs) blasting out of camp somewhat like what you hear right now, very upset about the fact that they were doing that. And that went on for about 48 minutes, (laughs) to be exact. I timed it. And uh, similar to what you're hearing now. Um, so I am wide open for anyone to call in with suggestions. I just kind of ignored it, <laughs> which is not easy to do when you're driving. No, um, it's not. But, what you know, I mean, you have to, uh, in my opinion, in a case like that, you have to attend to your driving. Yes. You know, can't be offering, I mean, you can offer di- diverse Diversion, like oh, hey, check that out, or you know, what do you think about this or that? But ugh, in a case like that, I'm more like I gotta operate this vehicle without killing somebody, so that's what I'm gonna attend to, you know. But I've not really had much phew, success at um, dealing with those kinds of situations, other than trying to keep your own self from melting at the point at that point. And uh, to keep people from gawking at you. Yeah. That's basically it. I mean, give people that look like, please don't gawk at me. And uh, well, I've
0: had I've had where I've taken Garrett and Cassidy to like the dollar store. And this was like a couple years ago when Cassidy first had was first getting into therapy and Garrett was what, five. Um, and he wasn't in any therapy other than what they were giving him in school and also I have a wonderful Walmart story too from a couple years ago and take them to the dollar store. I don't even know why we were in the dollar store. I think I just felt like taking them out and seeing how they would react. Well, they wanted to go down the toy aisle. and I'm like, we're not here for toys, but we can go down the toy aisle, but that doesn't mean you're going to get something. If we see something you like, mommy, you'll think about it, but don't expect to get a toy even though they're a dollar. Uh, <laughs> so we go down the toy aisle, they each get something they want, but then my daughter changes her mind and then Garrett gets all over one because that if you've ever been into dollar tree, I don't know if you have dollar tree down there. Yeah. It is freaking confusing. Very confusing to go into that store because everything is just sense for me it's sensory overload.
1: Everything is just not where it's supposed to be. It's very you know. visually overloading because it's cheap stuff. Let's face it. So it's mm-hmm. chock full of bright colors. Like yep. was, as soon as you said that, I thought of pink. I'm thinking like blinding pink in my face. You know, like pink plastic flowers and uh, pink sweatshirts and pink potholders and you know, just I'm ugh. just
0: like unbelievably disorganized and disarray, and you don't know where anything is and. We go down this toy aisle and there's just like it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. So they would like physically just go off on me, hit me, kick me, scream at me. And people would be, you know, we'd be standing in line. I'm like, look, we're leaving, we're standing in line, we are getting what we want to get, and we're getting out of here. Well, people would look and stare and gawk. And finally, I, you know, I, I had no shame in my game. And I said, my children are on the autism spectrum. Is there a reason why you are staring at me? Because there is a reason why they are having this meltdown right now. They are not brats. They're on the autism spectrum. They cannot control their behavior at this point in time. They are sensory overloaded. And if you can't handle that, too bad, but stop staring at me and my children. There <laughs> are many, many times that I said that in Dollar Tree, at other places, whatever. I got to a point where I don't even bring them with me. I don't I, I don't like going to – I mean, but they're a lot better than I. That was two years ago. Now they're like, okay, we're going to the store. We're going to get XYZ. You can't get ABC. We're going for XYZ, and this is why we're going, and I reinforce it with them while we're in the car. This is why we're going to Walmart. We're not going to look at toys. We're not going into the electronics department because of you know their game systems. They always want a new game. We're going in here for, I don't know, dinner glasses or whatever, drinkware. And then we're out, or we're going in to get you a new pair of some some new socks and some new underwear, and we're out. We're not staying there for that long. I've gra- I I we have graduated up to that point. It's taken a very very long time, because I remember times being in Walmart, Cassidy throwing herself to the floor, banging her head because she didn't want to leave the toy aisle because she didn't pick out a toy that she wanted because she was taking too long or. I told her no and, you know, there's been times where she's run away from me while I'm in one department and she runs back to the toy aisle and scares the living daylights out of me. And one time I threw her in the cart because she's banging her head on the floor, threw her in the cart. Garrett was already in the cart, took everything out of the – everything that was in the cart that we were going to purchase, throw it on a shelf, walking through the front of the store, go through the – woman's aisle because there was too many people in my way she pulled on a whole rack of clothing i said well slash this will be the last time you guys go to walmart for a long time because mommy's not going to put up with this my suggestion my my suggestion for for an even for a normally developing child if your kid's going to misbehave in the store you get them the heck out of the store because you don't want to put up with that that's embarrassing you know it's very embarrassing. I mean, Garrett loves to make noise, so <laughs> she pulls – and they were bright yellow, I think, sweatshirts. Bright yellow so – I
1: remember they were bright yellow. No, they're pink. Sorry. <laughs> anywho, Anyway. Um, anywho, Joey's getting increasingly more upset with me because I won't help him transfer his videos from his Handycam probably to upload them to YouTube. As you can hear. Okay. So where are we? We are at the The 4th of July. July. Like it really matters now. Um, I guess my question was, how did everybody make out taking their kids to see the fireworks, if they went at all? We did a ton of them here, and they were very loud, as in like bottle rocket, kind of mortar shell loud. They were were loud. Um, Joey did well with that. Doesn't seem to – that is not – I mean, go figure. You can handle like – It sounds like the military army base we have out here when they're, like, dropping shells, you know? That's how loud it was. But he can't stand somebody singing Spongebob. I mean, figure it out, you know? It's enough to drive you nuts.
0: So we had a good time with that. It's not the sound when they sing the Spongebob song. He just doesn't like the Spongebob song.
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's the
0: Uh, My son just doesn't like anybody singing. Period.
1: So yeah, that that too to a point, you know. But that, you know, I said to my husband this afternoon, "How is he going to live, Joseph?" I mean, don't make me say anything. Anyway, so we went through our fireworks, and you know, I managed to save a little money this year. Usually I take him shopping with me and buys everything in the stinking tent. But uh, but we survived. So and we had a good time. I mean, Kibber didn't like it too much, but that was another argument between me and my husband over the dog. So, so we had a 4th of July. That was it.
0: Well, we didn't go to see any fireworks because the kids are still in the routine of going to bed before a certain time. And by the time it was time for fireworks, they were both fast asleep. They definitely got gypped. <laughs> but we did go manage to go to a picnic on Sunday though, even though it was raining. We went to a picnic at my cousin's house and we sat inside while it was raining. Yep. That's what we did for the fourth of July. And then yesterday we I don't I don't think we didn't go anywhere until well after three o'clock we did go to Walmart. I had to pick up I had to pick up a container cuz I have this huge watermelon that I have yet to cut up and I wanted to cut it up and put it put the slices inside a container and I didn't have a big enough container so
1: There we go. I don't know. I'm about ready to just not have any more holidays anymore. Yeah. <sighs> too too much stress. Well, I only found one random news story this week, and it's, it's about the University of California at Davis, I believe is the way you say it, and it's called the Mind Institute. Um, the story appeared in the newspaper called the Sacramento Bee, as in bumblebee, and you can find it at, obviously, s a c b as in and it tells the story of, of parents that are participating in this Mind Institute Therapy for their child and they're just thrilled with it. I didn't get a chance to read the whole article other than skimming through it but I would like to go back. I'm going to look into this Mind Institute and see what they actually do there but these folks, uh, the title was Therapy Seems to Have Sent Autism Like Into the Mist. They, they don't see any traces in their child at all anymore. Oh wow. So I think it's worth a uh, worth a look. It's at the com, which is a newspaper. And that's the title. Therapy seems to have sent autism, you know, away. Hmm.
0: Interesting. I found, well, actually, I'm not going to go into all of the news stories because I have one, two, three, four, five. I found two that hit kind of close to home for me. Um. Let me get rid of this here. Uh, One of the ones was entitled exposure to antidepressants in early pregnancy may increase the risk of autism spectrum disorders. And then SSRIs and environment strong uh, autism contributing factors over genes. Now, the reason why these two stories hit home for me is because I took antidepressants when I was pregnant with both of my children. So there we go with the mom guilt. But the first one, the exposure to antidepressants in early pregnancy may increase the risk of autism spectrum disorders. Exposure to selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, antidepressants in early pregnancy may modestly increase risk of autism spectrum disorders, according to the Kaiser Permanente study published online in the current issue of Archives of General Psychiatry. However, the researchers cautioned that the number of children exposed prenatally to SSRIs was low. And that further studies are needed to validate these results. Well, that's good. That's about all I'm going to read on that article. That can be found in the show notes. Um, Also, same thing, SSRIs and Environment Strong Autism Contributing Factors Over Genes. New research this week points to a link between the use of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, a type of antidepressant, and the occurrence of autism in unborn kids. Another study found that among twins, the environment plays a bigger role in the development of autism than genetics, which is a game changer considering past investigation into autism autism cause factors. Over the past 30 years, the number of children with autism has increased from about 4 in 10,000 to about 40 in 10,000. First off, researchers led, research led by Kaiser Permanente Northern California reviewed the medical records of more than 1,600 children, 298 of whom had autism spectrum disorders. They found that the risk of having a child with autism spectrum disorder was about twice as high among women who took SSRIs in the year before delivery. That risk was even four times higher in women who took SSRIs during their first trimester. trimester. SSRIs include w- such well-known brands as Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, and Selexa. So, now I took. Now, for me, I took Prozac when I was pregnant with both my children, and I'm like, I'm reading these articles, and I'm going, "Oh my God, it is my fault." <laughs> but like the. First story said further research has to be done. So it, there's not enough data collected to say without a doubt that a person who takes an antidepressant while pregnant with pregnant in the first trimester ha, will ultimately end up having a child on the autism spectrum. You know, it's to me it's it's a crapshoot. So. But those were the two stories I was going to go with. I figured we could end our show now uh, with our commentary.
1: Yeah, I'm in mid-meltdown. So I will tell you that last week camp started. And Joey was a little upset when I dropped him off. Um, but he, he, you know, got back into the, the groove. Uh, and right now I'm very distracted because he's distracting me. Uh, I think maybe some of it is hormones. Excuse I'm not me. sure. Excuse I'm me. not sure. Excuse me. If it is, I hope it goes Excuse away. Me. Joey, can Excuse you wait for me, please? Me. See, now this me. is just going to go on me. and on and on and on. Um, I wanted to mention me. that. Excuse Joey! Me. See, now I, I get Shocks. frustrated. Shocks, yeah. Buddy. <laughs> go and i will be right there okay i'm not leaving i'm sitting right here oh god see this is where i just want to jump off a bridge joseph or something else like that uh yeah i'll save my commentary for next week we could save the commentary it never for changes. next week
0: it's well, same stuff We'll save the commentary for next week. That's no problem. I'd like to thank you, Pam, for being on the show again with me this week. You're a wonderful You're co-host. Welcome. If
1: I ever get to build a soundproof yeah. booth, I'll let you know.
0: Um, for next week, if you have an autism issue or experience you would like to share with our listeners, please feel free to contact us about being a guest on our show. Drop us a line at autismwarriors.com. Our email is feedback at sayitproductions.com. Our Twitter is sayitprods. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash autismwarriors and facebook.com backslash sayitproductions. Our voicemail is 813-915-6390. We can also be found on iTunes. Don't forget to go to iTunes to rate and review our show. If you go to sayitproductions.com and click on the donate button, you can go and see the many ways you can help us with our show. It's not just monetary. Um, Catch us live at 8 p.m. every Tuesday night. Thanks for listening to the Autism Warriors Podcast. See you next week.